Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. Um, yesterday, I watched the Congress grill Mr. Chu, the CEO of TikTok, and the intelligence gathering program that he has launched across our nation and across the world. If I remember correctly, he has over 1 billion subscribers worldwide. 1 billion. Now, that may not sound like a lot to you uh, compared to the total mass of the earth, <clears throat> but a billion subscribers to your uh, TikTok uh, social media, it, it has a huge, huge network and a huge impact on this world. And um, I was surprised actually to see the bipartisan support for uh, or against uh, TikTok from the Democratic side as well as the Republican side. <coughs> now, I also noticed that China had brokered a deal of peace between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Now, I find this interesting because I do believe in the, in the Bible. I do believe that the, uh, the Bible spoke of these things, or at least there was a written account of what was to come in the future, um, and the Bible warns us that these things will happen, and so if you read Ezekiel 38 and then apply it to what's going on today, I think you'll be surprised if you're not a Bible reader, if you're not a, if you're not a uh, believer, you may find this um, a little challenging, and that's fine, but you know, if, if you're the least bit inquisitive, um, it, it would be impossible to say to yourself, this kind of makes sense, you know. Um, it's not a far stretch, as some might say. Um, there, there are things that are happening in our world right now, around the world, in, uh, in pockets where, you know, it's kind of hard to say that it isn't the Bible or the scriptures being laid out in front of us. Now, if you're an atheist and you refuse to believe in the Bible or you refuse to believe that there, there is a, a coming war between the good and the bad, then, you know, then you stay ignorant. And um, when it happens, hopefully, you'll have some resources uh, that you will be able to draw from and compare to what's going on with you that present day. And as your mind reels around the happenings of the day, perhaps you can understand greater what the Bible said. And then maybe at that particular point, I hope, that you will... Uh, <coughs> that you will see that the Bible was true. Um, it's, it's easy to dismiss something like the Bible or God or, or religion in, in, as a whole, really. Um, it's, uh, what do they call that word? Uh, I don't want to say existential, but um, I'll think of it in a couple of weeks. But um, it's, it's supernatural, and so we often tend to throw the supernatural to the side as 
something that science can explain. And I understand that people say, well, I'm a scientific person, I'm an empirical person, I, I believe in what I can see and taste and feel and smell and all the, uh, all the things that people say. And, and that makes sense, you know, I mean, that's good because those are the kinds of people that when they do become a believer in Yeshua and God and his kingdom, they are strong, strong believers. They don't vacillate on what they believe. They don't go back and forth. Um, <clears throat> I've found in my personal experience that people who are raised in religion or steeped in religion, whatever kind of religion it is, um, oftentimes will vacillate from believing to not believing simply based on their present condition or, or maybe a, a personal prayer that they've asked to be answered that wasn't answered. And um, I, I find that those people are the ones that vacillate the most. And it's the ones who are the most resistant at first that later come to know uh, Christ as their personal Savior. They're the ones who are uh, more staunch. They, they don't waver. They, they, they're like a tree planted by the water. They shall not be moved. And so I, I, I see people who are resistant to that, who are just you know, fire-breathing, foaming in the mouth, so to speak, people as the ones who deep down inside, I believe, my personal opinion is, these people want to be convinced that there is a God. They want to know that this is all true. They desire to know it. They want you to prove it to them in a scientific way. And a lot of times you can't prove God in a scientific way. Um, you can't say, well, you know, uh, this is God and here's the scientific proof of him. What you can prove is the actions that God does in people's lives. Um, you know, you can call it supernatural. You can call it what you want to call it. I can tell you from experience that, you know, I have seen the hand of God literally and um, figuratively. And uh, metaphysical was the word I was looking for earlier. Um, you know, I, I have seen God's handiwork in my life, in other people's lives. Um, I prayed for a man's leg to grow in, in Israel once. I didn't believe it would happen. I was probably the, the highest doubting one in the room. I had no belief that this man's leg would grow, none whatsoever. And yet, I felt his leg grow in my hands. I had both hands on his leg, on his left leg. I will never forget it. It grew in my hands. Now, it freaked me out because, now first of all, as a believer, as a so-called believer, I should have believed in what I, was, what I was seeing. That was physical, scientific proof. The man left walking straight. He came in limping, okay? That is physical truth. That is science. That is, you can measure his leg. You take him back to the doctor. You can do an x-ray. You can, you can measure the, the tibia and the fibia. I mean, there are scientific ways to prove that God exists. Now, you can sit back and say, well, you know, I, maybe the man healed himself. He has this ability. You know, we all have this, this chakra in us, and, you know, it's all based on, you know, our ability to heal ourselves. And, and, maybe, and maybe that was it, you know. Um, and you could say that that's fine you know but if he could have healed himself he would have done it before and why did he need me and, and another person there you know he didn't really need us there we were just used of God so I'm saying that there are things that you can say that that aren't God that aren't you know you all you can't prove it and you know what you're right sometimes I cannot prove it absolutely I cannot prove what happens 
I can't prove that the Eiffel Tower stands other than pictures and videos and people that have been there and said, hey, I saw it. I can't prove that the, that the Grand Canyon exists other than pictures and videos and people that I know personally who have been there and seen it and said it's, ma it's, it's majestical, it's beautiful, it's magnificent. So I say all that to say this, you can believe or you cannot believe that doesn't change the outcome. Whether I believe in the Eiffel Tower or not does not make it real or not real. Okay, doesn't make it go away because I simply say, I don't believe in the Eiffel Tower, so therefore it disappears. No, it doesn't work that way. The same goes for God. The same goes for his word. Now, yes, you can argue all day long until the cows come home that it was written by man and everything man puts his hand to, he screws up. I would absolutely agree with you 100%. However, when it comes to the scriptures of God, he oversaw them. He guided the hands of these people. Now, yes, there have been 200 uh, different, uh, uh, what do you call it, translations of the Bible since the 1611. Absolutely. But the original text, the original text by God that was, that was through God, used by his servants to write it, that is absolutely real. You can't, you can't make that stuff up. You couldn't have planned that far ahead. You know, I don't believe that. I believe the word of God is the true and absolute inspired word of God. And I believe that we will one day see that and that even those who say there is no God, that the, the Bible is not real, those who would, would, would say basically that, you know, they don't believe in anything and when you leave this world, you die and, and the lights go out. Okay, fine. You can believe that. I hope that you will change your mind. I hope for your sake and the eternity that is coming that you will change your mind. But if you don't and you're, and you're fortunate enough to live through the tribulation, then I can promise you this. I can promise you this. You will see the truth of God through the tribulation because everything that is going to happen has already been foretold in Revelation, in Daniel, in Ezekiel. It's all been told by the minor prophets and the major prophets. They predicted this because God wrote the book, you know, so he knows what's going to happen. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He wrote the book. And God is good. God is good. And he loves us. And he wants us all to come to his knowledge, to, to, be, to be filled with his spirit, to be covered by his son's blood that he died for us. I know it sounds kooky. It sounds weird. Absolutely. I mean, here's this sky God who sent his son down to die for us. You know, if he's really God, he could just simply make it so without even, without even having his son come down and be punished and, and hung on a cross. But he didn't. He didn't. That's the thing. That's the thing. God chose that particular time, that particular juncture in history to come down in a man form, in the form of a man. And I'll tell you, I, I try to think of it like this. Now, I may be way off, but I try to think of it like this. You know, it says in the, in the, in the Bible somewhere, it says that God measures a span of the universe between his thumb and his forefinger. Now, take your thumb and your forefinger and look at it. Just spread your thumb as far as you can in your forefinger. Now, that's pretty big. I mean, that's probably six inches, maybe, for me. Maybe six inches. All right? Now, think about it. If God is so huge that he measures the span of the universe between his forefinger and his thumb, that's pretty dang big. Now, imagine the universe as it is today. Our known solar system 
is millions and millions of light, light years apart from one end to the other. So the thought of us being so small, I personally look at it like this. I look at it like, okay, imagine if you were a microorganism, something that could only be seen under a micron, uh, uh, electron, electron microscope, okay? We can't see it with the naked eye because our eyes don't have that magnification. But imagine if you will, um, and I tell you a great, a really great example of that is a movie that's out right now called Ant-Man and uh, Ant-Woman in the, in the quantum realm or something. It gives you sort of an idea of another world, an entire universe existing in the span of a microorganism, okay? If you thought of it that way, as I do, which helps me understand God and where he's coming from, I see it like this. We are like microorganisms on a Petri dish, okay? God, in all of his infinite wisdom, decided, you know what? I'm going to go down there to that Petri dish, to that world of microcosm organisms, and I'm going to live as one of them. I'm going to become a microorganism. And so that's what he did. He came down to this earth. He became a microcosm organism, okay? Lived among us to show us what he wanted us to do because he loves us so much. We're so tiny and insignificant. You might say, well, why would he even give a crap? You know, why would he even care? That's the way God is. He cares. He made us the way he made us. He loves us the way he he loves us. He loves us only as he can, and he wants what's best for us. He gave written oral instruction to us, okay? He thought, well, maybe they'll kind of get it if I just tell them what to do, and we didn't because we're mankind. We think, we think um, in ways that, that make us seem more important than others, and that's how mankind is. We want to be more important than others. We want to sound more important than others. We want to be the top dogs. And so, therefore, we created religion. We created this, this false religion, which, you know, it's, it's a false god, but it's a real religion. And it, it, it focuses on man's ability and his attempt to get closer to God through his own actions, which is not what God said in the first place. And so, God said, I, you know what, I, I think I got this thing figured out. I'm going to send my son Jesus down there. Now we say son because we don't understand the concept of God having someone called Jesus Christ, so we call him his son. He says he's my one and only son, okay? Maybe it is his son, I don't know, it doesn't really matter to me. It's, it, that's, that's semantics for me, to be honest with you. I look at it like, okay, um, there's this, this being, this supernatural being called Jesus, Yeshua, or you know, which is really Joshua. Um, and he's coming down here and he's going to live on this earth and he's going to tell us how to live, how to be, how to, how to treat one another, how to uh, <coughs> interact with the, with the creator who created us, and that's God. And so he comes down to this microorganism uh, community and he lives, and of course we hate him because he teaches against what we have already established as religion. And so they kill him. And so he goes back to his father. He still loves us. He sits to the right-hand side of his father, taking care of us, looking out for us, and he's one of us. And so when we go back to that place where Jesus is as a believer, we get to go home with him. 
Now, you may not believe in this. You may think, well, that's just, that's far-fetched. That's crazy. Who's to say you're right, the Mormons are wrong, and the Catholics are right, and the and the Muslims are right, and the, and the Jews are right. Well, you know, the truth is, I think there's a little truth in everything. And I know that sounds a little blasphemy to some of you who are probably super religious, but I believe there's a little truth to everything. And because there's a little truth to everything, we get a little bit of the piece of the puzzle. But the whole puzzle itself comes from a relationship with God. And that is what I have had all my life is a relationship with God. Now, it has been tenuous at best at times. Um, I have not always reflected what, what Jesus was and who he was. And so as I've grown, as I've gotten older, as I've learned to be less about me and more about him and his kingdom and what's coming, I have learned that, you know what, it's not about me, it's about him. And so I am completely thankful that I am at a place in my life right now where I can look around, see what's going on, I can see the news, and I can say, aha, that means that he's coming soon. Well, when he comes, he's coming to take his people. And if you're not one of his people, you will not be taken. Now, you may think that's not fair. You may say, well, I thought Jesus loved everybody. Well, he does, but he's not going to force you to go with him. And that's the thing people don't understand is Jesus doesn't force you to go anywhere. He says, hey, come go with me. I'd love for you to come go with me, but it's not required. You don't have to. But if you don't come, there are consequences. You see, it's like your child. If you tell your child, hey, listen, I, I really don't want you to vape. It's bad for you. Um, does it mean you're not going to love me anymore, Daddy? No, I'm still going to love you. I'm going to love you and love you and love you no matter what. But that vaping is going to kill you. It's going to cause breathing problems. It's going to cause problems with your bloodstream. It's going to cause problems with your lungs, scarring and things like that. And I'm still going to love you. As I watch you die, I'm still going to love you. That is the way Jesus is. That is the way God is. Now, you can, get, you can believe it or you can not believe it. It really doesn't matter. But when I look around and I see things like China brokering a peace between Iran and uh, Saudi Arabia, and I look at Ezekiel 38, it's as if Ezekiel 38 is unfolding before us. So I challenge you today, as you listen to this podcast, get out your Bible, read Ezekiel, read all of it. Read Ezekiel, read Revelation, and read Daniel. And then you look at what's happening today. Take a real good look at the news, and you tell me, if you can honestly tell me this has nothing to do with the Bible, that I would say to you that you are either you're either ignorant or you're rebellious, okay? Because it doesn't take a rocket scientist, it doesn't take the FBI to pick up on the clues that are going on right now. I'm telling you, the time is at hand. We are leaving soon. In May, May the 15th or the 14th, Israel will celebrate their, the 1948 um, Balfour um, Commission where they became a state. I can tell you from the timeline that we are in borrowed time for Jesus to come back and for the seven years to occur before the end of the, uh, the end of the tribulation and the beginning of the millennium. I will just tell you, go to your Bible, read it. If you don't believe me, read your Bible. Read what's written. I can't put that stuff in there. It's been in there forever, so just try to explain that away. Anyway. Look at the news. Look what's happening. These things are real. They're happening. This is what's going on. Jesus is coming soon. Please be aware. And if you're a believer, try to reach out to those people who don't believe. You know, I really don't want anybody to be left behind. I think it's going to be terrible here. I think it's going to be horrible. It's going to be terrifying to be here. Um, we're getting a taste of that. We got a taste of that during COVID. 
you know, um, when, when the powers that be were building this thing up. The, the Antichrist is just waiting to step out on the scene. The stage is prepared. The musicians have already warmed up. They have the piece in front of them. They're ready to go. Don't be stupid. Don't be rebellious. Read what I'm telling you. Those of you that are smart, those of you that are intelligent, those of you that uh, are above average in intelligence, take the time to read this. I bless you in the name of Yeshua, and we'll talk again. Thank you.